Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. This is Rebel Guru Radio with best-selling spiritual author Eric Pepin. Season 2, Higher Balance Classics, Timeless Teachings. Rebel Guru Radio is sponsored by Cramp Medic, the most powerful cramp fighting supplement on the market. I think it's an excellent product. I can honestly say for myself, and this is of course uh, difficult to say because it's coming from me, but I hope you take my word on it. I don't think there's anything out there better than Cramp Medic for leg cramps. I used to get them on a near daily basis, maybe every couple days. I know that uh, when I had my motorcycle or bicycle, uh, my legs would be the worst. I would wake up in the middle of the night in pain. Uh, there have been times where I've thought about maybe I should go to an emergency room. Since I've used Cramp Medic, I probably use one serving and I will not have to reach into using this again probably for two, two and a half weeks. That is more than double what I felt was the recommended like once for every seven days. That's how effective. I do think that people need to use it for two to three times to build up somehow in your in your system. We have mainly all positive reviews. Apple cider vinegar is what is going to reduce, you know, acid buildup in your muscle tissue very rapidly. Cayenne pepper is going to expand your capillaries to move that blood into those tight cramping muscles that just do not want to let blood in there to soften it. It is very, very effective. It is going to get in there. Electrolytes very fast. It's going to do the job. It's just a great product. And that's what I have to say about it, crampmedic.com. The other thing I wanted to say is the Higher Balance Institute store, HBI, or higherbalance.com. We've worked very hard at reducing and slashing the pricing, trying to keep it as a mainstay price forum. Uh, People have said over the years it's too expensive for them and they can't afford it. Uh, I don't know what the next excuse is going to be because it is extremely affordable. Um, We're doing our best to do that. Having Cramp Medic, finding other stuff to maneuver around so we can keep this thing going uh, has allowed us to bring those prices down. Uh, We do have a lot, a lot of material, a lot of classes that are really excellent, I feel. you know, going probably for several dollars, some of those classes, uh, probably at least 70, 80% off of what we charge, maybe even more. Uh, one thing we may do is maybe change around in the store, like uh, uh, bi-monthly or something, which modules we're offering, because there's so many, I think people get lost in it. So if there is something you want, I strongly suggest you grab it before we start moving it around, but it will come available again. It just may take six months to a year before the, all those other ones start arriving. Uh, back for availability and we're going to start taking down some probably to try to keep some organization to just the the bulk of uh, information there which I'm very proud of Um, so that's what I have to say on that please check out Higher Balance Institute uh, you know or higherbalance.com and uh, support Higher Balance please get uh, and try out uh, cramp medic for family, friends, anybody who has leg muscle problems or any kind of muscle problems in particular it, it truly is the best product out there no foams no creams you don't have to run to the bathroom if you're working at the office to put on foams on your leg by pulling on your pants and trying to get to your legs uh no need for tablets one shot seven days phenomenal if you are interested in acquiring eric pepin's books visit higherbalancebooks.com
Higher Balance presents Cycles of the Soul, Reincarnation, Part 2 of 4. Can there be repercussions for not awakening in a lifetime? It's like this. If, if you don't awaken, in other words, realize that, that you can have a soul or build a soul or reflect on, on something more than just physical life, you could say that by being absorbed then into the Gaia mind is, is partially that repercussion because in a sense you, you, you've decided this is it. You've lived your life and truly it's the end. Just like scientists believe you're dead, you're buried in the ground, that's it. Because cause you're, you're like a sugar cube now into the ocean. You're, you're giving back from what you came. Now, is that a bad thing? No, I, I see it as a very beautiful thing. And in some ways, I mean, I think people get so tired in life that, that it's very appealing. But I also think that some people are so tired in life that they want it over. It's, it's, they wouldn't feel that way if you could give them back their body at 18, you know, and, and their biochemistry and, and everything else. So, so I often say when, when, when you're ready to throw the talent and you die, it's kind of like, whoa, whoa, wait, whoa, whoa, slow down. This feels pretty good. You know, it's, this, you, you think differently real fast. But for those who, who've never worked on building that spiritual body, then, then it, it's, it's like a surrender. It's, it's, it's like a softness in, into some, some, some very warming arms and you, you, you dissipate, but you are forever alive because you are constantly in the memory and i often think when when human beings say you know like uh, you you will never be for i'll never be forgotten as long as you think of me well it's really a truth if you think about it what is life life is just a bunch of memories and if you think of things you've done or people you've loved or pets you've had you can create for a moment or for a while that very memory of as if they were right there in front of you well, imagine the Gaia mind. It's, it's really that. Everything is constantly forever, which is a whole other topic in itself. So there's one. The other repercussions also are on the, the vibration and the density of your soul, the, the qualities of, of what you perceived in your life. And if you want to say, can there be consequences for that? Well, yeah. You know, if, if you've had very negative energy and very suppressive energy, if you suppressed others, what's going to happen is you'll you'll likely end up in a suppressive way where you exist. Now, this gets very complicated because I'm not saying, for instance, like there are people in certain countries that live in horrible, horrible conditions, okay? And it would be to say that in in, in some forms of Hinduism, it's believed in, in a hierarchy that if you, if you are born in a bad life, it's because you did very bad things, you know, and that's why you have the hardship. And if you've been very good, well, that's why you're wealthy and you, you know, you should be considered, you know, uh, wonderful and great. I don't buy into that. But, but there is, again, a certain level of truth to some of that. Again, the, the vibration of your energy will also be attractive to, to similar situations in some cases if you're not too evolved. If you oppressed others, it's to say that your karma, if you want to call it then, again, it's a frequency, okay? is going to draw you to oppressive energies, which could be a, a continent that's that's in dismay, and you're born into that. Do you see what I'm saying? Or it, it, whatever the circumstances, there are certain things that would attract, and there are so many levels of weighing it all out that it's beyond us to really figure it out completely. It's like finite mathematics on a super conscious level for the universe to weigh it all out and figure it out, but you're going to be attracted or cycle into to circumstances that would best appropriate that frequency. Is the attraction a form of choice? Is there a level of choice involved in reincarnation? It's not really choice until you evolve 
to a point where you're, I don't want to say powerful enough, but basically when you've evolved your consciousness enough that you can actually feel these energies and, and you choose to follow them or, or pick a direction, it's, it's, it becomes choice then eventually. But the repercussions of, of not developing a soul or, or not developing well in the beginning is going to mean you're going to be pushed and shoved in certain directions like a, a bottle in the ocean. You're going to follow the currents and they're going to lead you to where you're going to end up. So there's a duality there, but there's really not if you listen to what I'm saying carefully. Can a soul die? Technically, no. Considers what you consider, consider dying. I don't think a soul can ever die. What it can do is it can choose its, its moment of surrender, absolute surrender. And generally, that surrender is always surrendering to God. It's when you say, okay, I've, I've lived the fullest, richest life that a, a being could live. I just want to become one with you. When, when you ask, what is it that you're really looking for? If you internally ask yourself, you're asking yourself to return from what you came. You want, you want really, truly, a high, the highest level of completion. You yearn to be returned from what you've been, what you've been separated or what feels like separated. You yearn to become one with God. And so in the end, after you've explored all the wonders of this universe and other universes or whatever amount it is that you have fulfilled in your journey, in the end, you yearn to fit in the place that, that you came from. And so you return back to the consciousness of God. And, and that is, is a different level of the sugar cube returning to the ocean. Instead of on a Gaia level or a galaxy or whatever or this universe, you really return to to the completion and, and you choose that moment when you when you want to return and then everything you've ever experienced becomes one for God. Can a soul be reabsorbed into the Gaia consciousness after it has evolved to a certain point? Well, in, in rare cases, um, I would say that it can happen. Sometimes, and I know this may sound bizarre, but sometimes certain souls that are advanced will choose to to give themselves to to the Gaia consciousness in, in a way to accelerate its its growth. It's rare, but it does happen. There are souls who stop their development, and if you spend several lifetimes and you you're not really progressing, if you're not progressing, you're either stagnating or you're degressing. The universe or the planet is constantly progressing. So it's, it's kind of like something could catch up to you. And if you are not going to progress forward, what you're really doing is you're resigning yourself to become the sugar cube again. Does, does everybody understand what I'm saying? And all the intelligences of the earth are, are growing in tonal and energy. Do you see what I'm saying? Inevitably, all beings are, human beings are, are forced to evolve. If you're not evolving yourself spiritually as all beings are, Okay, then then what's going to happen is, is that that level of the Gaia mind is going to reach a tonal that matches the the place that you're not progressing from. So yes, you you could end up getting ahead, but then just surrender, you know, and and end up becoming you know part of that, even though at one time you were more ahead than others. Is it possible to break free of the reincarnation process and just be an energy being? Absolutely. Are you then part? of some higher reincarnation process? Well, reincarnation is, is in our terms, incarnating back into a physical body. Let's dissect this here a little bit, okay? 
again, you're not thinking, you're thinking like a human being when you assume that if you're not in a physical body, then you're not incarnating. Okay? You can incarnate into other kinds of bodies that aren't necessarily as physical as what we understand our physical bodies right now here. They're just different kinds of energy frequencies that we suit our energy into to explore with what they can communicate or interpret that dimension as to us. So there is always an incarnation process because what you really are is a finite level of energy. And what you're really doing is you're sampling other dimensions and experiencing through these samplings so that you can attain consciousness and information, data, call it whatever you want. To subjugate yourself to these experiences, you, you have to allow yourself to transfix into some other lower form of energy to con convey its experiences to you. Whenever you touch something, it turns to electricity and it becomes part of your energy. Whenever you smell something, it becomes energy. Whenever you hear something, it becomes energy. So, so your body is a giant machine that's really designed to convert data into an energy format for you because that's what you are. And the brain is really the bigger conductor in this process because it, it really is the final converter that makes it into the purest level of energy for the mind. In essence, all of other realities, you really need different vessels to explore them designed for those places. And hence, the incarnation process is infinite. It's just, it's just a matter of, of where and when and how, what, what you choose or what is choose for you. When you say that you incarnate to sample, who are you? What is the identity between incarnations? It's not really you. This is, this is again the whole process of where we were talking about being enlightened. Okay. And when I says, well, you could be very simple and, and find it. It's, I says the brain is your friend, but it's also your enemy because the brain is so designed to be part of this dimension. It, it's, it wraps you into it. It's doing its job. And at some point you have to realize that that's what's happening. Do you see what I'm saying? And this is where your whole spiritual path now is, is coming. There's a there's an acceptance and there's a conflict because you're beginning to realize that this isn't really who you are. So you, you, you're trying to begin that separation while you're still physically here rather than out of your body. What are some of the things you can do to trigger past life memories? Find out what you're interested in. Past lives tend to, to surface in old things, obviously. And it doesn't necessarily mean old, old things. I mean, it could be something, you know, if you're 20 years old, it could be something from 20 years ago. Okay? But, you know, if you're drawn towards castles, find the next best thing here. And that, that would be old churches with cobblestones and stuff, or, or travel to a city uh, that's that's maybe older, like Boston or something, might be more practical than you being able to travel to, to England or something. Touch, smell, listen, sit still, feel a place. Any any way that you can absorb through your sensory is the best way to begin to shift yourself. Clear yourself like you've learned in meditation. Center yourself and then go go into this environment without any intentions. Okay, without without wanting or expecting anything. Okay. And simply just, just experience the environment. And if you lit 
the smells and the textures and the feels come in, even though it may not be from the original place where your memories are, it will potentially jolt something from the deeper recesses of your mind. Sometimes for people it's water or the smell of an ocean, the feel of the beach sand on their feet, and the heat from the sand. Sometimes it's a pine forest for some people and feeling the pine cones or, 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 or the pine needles or hearing the wind through the trees. Uh, for others it's the sound of a motor or a car or a train. There, you already have connected to these things. You just never realize that you you have a draw towards them. There are certain times in your life that you begin to zone on a certain thing. It, it could be a moment in a park, it could be a moment in your car, it could be looking at someone, but there's a moment that, that something's talking to you. Something seems seems oddly and strangely, prophetically, familiar to you. But because you can't place it with your current memories, your brain overrides it and says, move on. So you, you have to ask yourself, what are things that are attracting you? What are things that are talking to you unconsciously? And when you can figure those things out, then you need to explore those or exploit those things. If it's, if it's, some people it's art. It's not actually making art. It's to put themselves in an art gallery and just walk through all these different things. And all of a sudden you find some pieces of art and you're just absolutely drawn to them. But you never would have found that had you not exposed yourself to, to a vast variety. But you, you would kind of know it's something you need to do. Why would you know you need to do it? It's that inner knowing. It's that inner navigator. It's about listening. And it's about putting yourself in circumstances in order to have it jump out at you. And that you're, that you're listening rather than functioning. Functioning means you're going in, you're thinking with your brain, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, here's the list of things to look at. You, you get to put that all aside and you're just going to need to glide and walk and just kind of just let your mind be silent like it wasn't, you know, like a walking meditation and just, just see where it delivers you. See where, where the universe moves you instead of the rational brain pointing out a whole game plan. Let yourself flow. So, you already know what you need to look at. Your, your navigator is already talking to you. You're just not listening. And and that is the problem. You need to listen. You will then find things that are going to jolt your memory. It could be, it'd be cooking smells can do it. Uh, the sound of pots and pans. Um, in some cases, uh, in many occasions for me when I was younger, it, it, it is that surreal sound at a movie theater. That I've spoken to you about that, that when you go and you park your car and you, you, the, the theater's running and, and you, you know, I'll, I'll walk out in the dark to go to get, to, to get popcorn or use the restroom and I, I hear the sound of the crunching of my feet on the dirt. I hear the echoing in people's cars. It's a surrealness. And then there, there are memories that begin to flow into me. But if I stay too grounded and I say, well, that's, that's the movie and that's the sound in the cars. Don't think about that. Enjoy what, what's going on. There's, there's something trying to tell you something and you can feel it. So you just gotta let yourself go with it. And when you don't get it completely, don't go, well, or, you know, and, and, and just say, oh, I'm frustrated because I'm not having a break. There will be another time and another time and they will get more intense. But don't program your brain to have resistance by saying I'm frustrated because it's, because it's not coming through. That is just a reinforcement of preventing that from happening. So you have to, to sense when you're sensing those things instead of instead of functioning with with things that you're doing and when you can pay more attention to that you begin to exploit those things by putting yourself in that situation if you have family and you sense one of those things like in an old church building or something 
you, you mentally make a note that you felt that, and then when you have the opportunity, when the kids are all in school or, or you have time by yourself, you take that little drive off and do your investigation. You, you spend that time walking through there, and you listen to your footsteps against the wood echoing through a church or something. You you feel the textures of things, and you, you open yourself up without any preconditions or pre-thoughts of what you should, ex should expect. Because as soon as you do that, you're going to limit anything you're going to get. And everybody does that unconsciously most of the time. Does this tie into when you tell people that they should try to eat the food from a lot of different countries? Yes. I always say you, the, the bigger your, your palate of foods that you eat is the best thing. It's, you know, I'll, I'll tell you, when you look at any cultures that integrate, let's say, into to America, first you will see them change their clothing their hairstyle, their jewelry, their cars, their houses, everything will change. But there's usually one thing that they can never let go of, food. Their cultural food is something they hang on to ever. It's something you hang on from your childhood. Even if you're an American, if whatever you ate from your youth, no matter how cheap or low quality it may be or how good of a quality, you will crave it, okay? Well, this is something that's built into us biologically, survival is based upon food. I mean, I watch my dog, and, you know, he looks like he's doing something. Well, I'll tell you what he's doing. It's, he's got food on his brain, and that's all he's looking for half the time. You watch any dog or other animal, you know, they're, they're out foraging or looking for food. Well, human beings aren't that different. We, of course, have an abundance of food, okay? But in this particular case, because we have an abundance, we've learned to have selective food that have made a, a, an imprint on our brain. Well, what I'm suggesting is, is that this carries over to your mind and when you move on to another life. So if you've spent a significant time in a certain past life in a certain culture, you could eat certain foods. And if you open yourself to the way that I was explaining to you just a few moments ago, okay, you're going to have backflashes. You're going to do a, do a, a reincarnation session. And you're going to have profound breakthroughs if you have any connection to that food. Let's let's say you, you do reincarnation, you get good results, whatever. I say go out and have Russian food. Go out and have Indian food. Let's, you go, you have Indian food. When you're done having Indian food, you, you open yourself, you take in all these tastes and textures and feel, and you, you just you're just doing very tactile, just experience it. Don't have any conditions like you're gonna all of a sudden wake up or something, you know, from from a past life. Take that time that you spent there, go back home and put in your, your reincarnation program, that your, your CD that's going to run you through this. Ten to one, you will have a better success rate if you've had any lives in India. You're going to, to see it come through much more clearer. It's a crafty way of assisting yourself to, to help your consciousness move. Eat Persian food. Eat, eat South American food. Eat food from Africa. Uh, you know, Ethiopian. All of these things. This is something that will carry with you that you can you can open. I always I always feel that people who who have a very large uh, spectrum of food. I know this sounds silly, but usually have better sessions, better results. Um, than people who who really have a very refined diet of of what they eat. Or a limited diet, you know? So there, there's definitely a connection, and I feel it's for the reasons that I said. It's something that carries over biologically in us, and it carries over spiritually from life to life. 
Are certain souls more prone to choosing or incarnating into one sex over the other? Um, I would say for the most part, there is not a gender choice in the very beginning uh, for the majority of, of souls or spirits, uh, simply because the universe just kind of moves you in, in opportunity. You don't you don't know what gender a baby's necessarily going to be when it's born because you can't pick up on that energy field. So what's potluck? You get what you get. Um, I think that uh, some very powerful uh, spiritual beings have been in both women and, and in men. Unfortunately, the the world is still dominant by males. And I do not mean this in a spiritual sense because there's not really a difference to a soul or an entity or a being because they're they're not masculine they're not feminine they're they're both there there is not a, a gender they are balanced and this is of course what what you want to hope for in your physical life you'll find that most spiritual people who are who are rather advanced are going to have very feminine energy and very masculine energy at the same time so sometimes you don't quite know how to judge them uh, because they're very balanced uh, internally, so they, they haven't really chose to go down one or the other. If there's a preference by an advanced being, it's probably going to be towards a male-oriented body. And it, it's really not because really being better than the other, but because of the sociological structure of societies, there is more of an opportunity for a male to communicate and teach at least at one time, was for females. I think you'll probably see more female spiritual masters coming up and, and rising now because of society changing so much, particularly the progression of women's rights and et cetera, et cetera. But, but before all of this, I mean, it's very rare, if at all, to, to really find any enlightened spiritual teachers that were, were females. So it was a matter of opportunity and not having to, to now fight for women's rights as much as it is trying to, to get through to people about opening their minds spiritually and trying to, to reach them on that level. There are certainly advantages and disadvantages in the arena of how the biological brain is designed versus a male or female, what regions they, they use. There's, um, I would say that, that women certainly have a much higher level in certain psychic abilities than males meaning that they have a, a sensory or a, a, an ability telepathically and empathically to, to do certain things. Whereas a male actually has a, has a, a very, um, I want to say an analytical mind, a, very, very, a mind uh, through studies and uh, various uh, psychological studies where, uh, for instance, you, they'll, they'll draw uh, a bicycle or they'll ask females to draw a bicycle and males to draw a bicycle. And the females usually will draw a triangle with like two wheels and it makes absolutely no sense. And, and men will, will actually do it all out correctly. It's, it's how the mind works and it visualizes it. It can structuralize things better. Now, I'm not saying that all women cannot do this or vice versa. What, what I'm saying again is it gets into this whole masculine feminine thing where the brain is pretty much the same. It's just a choice of what direction it's plugging into. So you have these spiritual teachers who, who have this masculine feminine energy and they're probably uniting both of these kind of parts of the brain so that they're able to launch on a spiritual level better and work through their brain to communicate outward. So it would depend on what the, the spiritual or the advanced being would choose would be basically based upon what his intentions were in, in this incarnation. 
if you're a woman during your, your incarnation, but you don't feel feminine, what's going on there? Well, it's, it, it could be several different things. It, it could be that in your in your past life, you obviously would have been more male than female. And if you haven't dispersed them very well, and let's say the past ten lives you've been here, you've been men, and not only just men, but very dominant men, very outspoken men, very very aggressive or, or, or whatever, or maybe having to defend your family or something. It's going to carry over. If this is a female, then your, your body, you're, you're going to be at some kind of disagreements because you, you, you're not adapting well to this biological role. And that's that's really the catch-22. The same thing goes for, for femininity, a lot of feminine lives bleeding over into the physical. Now, I mean, this really brings in the, the question of sexuality, okay? And sexuality also, I believe, is is genetic um, in part. It's it's how the brain is designed. I think as science progresses, they will see these things. People are basically born in many cases a certain way. Uh, I think that's only 35%, in my opinion. The other next 35% would be to say that, you know, it's what you are exposed to and what you accept in your life and what your level of perspective is. Um, different cultures have a completely different perspective on, on mates or multiple mates or genders or, or what's acceptable and what's not, and you don't think anything of it. So what you're exposed to is really becomes what you are, and who's to say whether it's natural or not natural? Okay, I look at nature, and they always say the birds and bees are perfect. Well, I see the birds and bees doing some pretty funny things, you know. So that must be natural. I mean, you know, they get into to now you have you know you have your gays, you have your straights, you have your bisexuals, and now they, I'm constantly reading in 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 science journals how you know now they got sheep that they're studying, um, or maybe not sheep, uh, lambs or something. And, you know, and, and they're studying that they've got gay, you know, uh, uh, sheep that want to do with the other males. So it, it, this is birds and the bees. This is nature. So is it is it a mistake of God or God doesn't make mistakes? Point is, is, is that they're finding differences in the brain maybe slightly or they, they think it's sociological and I think that's a contribution. And I think the other missing factor, you know, the other 30 some odd percent or whatever it's going to be that's left is basically spiritual. And it's and it's going to be a factor of what you were in your past lives and, and how it how it comes over. And if you're really a super advanced you know uh, soul that's been around for a while, again, if you look at Krishna, you look at Buddha, you look at Christ, you look at them, they they have very masculine feminine energy. I mean, there, there's a certain balance in that nature. So the bottom line is, is it could be one of three factors. It can be all of three factors. Can a soul only reincarnate into one body at a time? Well, I've read about different circumstances where um, people will claim that they've been more than one person or that person's been in multiple places at one time. You know, in this physical dimension, it's fair to say that there, there are a lot of possibilities, especially when you look at quantum physics and split particles and, and various reactions and such. You're, we're getting into an, an area now of a question that is easy to explain, but it's not easy to explain, and I'll, I'll, I'll make my best attempt. It is possible as a soul to exist in two separate places at the same time, yes, because you're infinitely energy. Possibilities can be, can be separate. As much as one can have telepathy, so can you have two energies working. Can, in, in a sense, what I'm saying is, is can one hand feel 
the carpet and can another hand feel the hair on your head at the same time. But yet you're one being really taken in two sources of, of data. So, so everything that we perceive, we, we see individual because that's how we see ourselves as human beings. Okay? What you need to do is you need to see yourself split in half or, or just look at your two hands. They work together for one unit, but they also can work independently. So, two souls in two different places could be a yes in this physical dimension, but it's again a very unlikely thing. It's a, it would be it would be like a lotto, one in a, in a billion. I don't want you to think that this is something that would occur often or in every life or anything like that. But in, in rare cases, you could say that that a soul is required to be in more place at one time. There are no other choices. And in this case, it divides itself. But when both bodies pass on, it will unite itself. So, in other words, it's to say you leap from life to life to life to life, accumulating your consciousness. Well, it's it's basically just 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 the time period's the same, but you split into two data pools, collecting experiences that will eventually merge back to one. Does that help at all? But again, it's it's rare, and it's really a mind bender for you guys because again, you guys perceive yourselves as individuals, so to think in these terms is actually you know a bit prophetic. Is there a way to tell if someone is an old soul? Again, I think that's one of those inner knowings. I mean, you, you kind of know where, where a person's been. You, you kind of know what, what they're about when you meet them. I think that people get perceptions of other people not because of, of anything. You, you, I look at people all the time and I go, oh, that person's kind of, you know, fake. I mean, I hate to say that, but you, you see them dress a certain way and comb their hair a certain way and they, they mimic their, their hand actions or their, their personality a certain way. And you just, you just know that this is a, a camouflage, this is a shell, and underneath it, there ain't much going on there, you know, intellectually. And then other people you meet, and you know there's this deep, rich source of information there, that that, that this person is complex in their reflections and, and stuff, and you, you know this, and how do you know this? Because your inner knowing tells you so. And, and this directly affects, in many cases, a soul, or how many lives they've lived, in many cases, etc., etc. And, and it's to say that so you could say that, well, this might apply to somebody who, who doesn't believe in reincarnation or, or such. Well, it, that goes right back then to sociological structure and how they came into the big picture and, and why their perspective now has been put out the way it is. How does the creation of a soul affect the universe? The creation of a soul is necessity. God created the universe. The universe is the body of God or, or a portion of God's body. So it's to say that I often say that the planets, the moons, the stars, all of these things is the flesh and that the spirit of God is, is the consciousness intertwined. Just like your body's the flesh and your soul is the consciousness of it. It's intertwined. It's all one. When you reach out and you touch something, there is a form of information that's exchanged. Cells may die to give their electrical little bit of information along with thousands of others that move their way through the universe to become part of your consciousness after they move through the brain and the brain is able to, to disperse it into a different kind of consciousness. Life throughout the universe on all levels, whether it be planets or, or living organisms or, or intelligent beings, etc., etc., in some way serve a greater or small level of this exchange of information. You could say that a human being is has energy, everything is converted into energy, and when they die, that energy then moves to the to the next level. 
to the planet and then the planet might live billions of years but but that's like a 80 years to us it's just a different size portion or, or existence in, in time and then that in turn releases all of the data it's gotten from its micro level which would be living beings human stuff and it then is released to the, to the solar system solar system might die in trillions of years and be given to the galaxy and the galaxy might might disappear in trillions and trillions of years but it'll give its absoluteness to to some other level and it's, it kind of works like that so a soul is really a higher level of that process. It's to say that in your body, you have your, your standard level of information exchange, and then you have other living organisms in your body that have different roles or different levels of importance, you could say. Now, all of it's important in the end, but sometimes there are, are certain cells that, that have different purposes or a longer life expectancies or a different array of abilities or sensories in order to conduct what they need to to contribute to the bigger picture which is your entire universe so souls in a sense serve a higher purpose for the planet than than maybe other organisms do not to say that they're not important they're all very important but it's it's just variations so souls are extremely important to, to the universe, to God. I, I would say they're one of the most important things to the universe because, in essence, they interact as ambassadors more so than, than other living organisms do when they surrender themselves to a different level of hierarchy. Um, they, they actually kind of move to a higher frequency and back again, higher frequency and back again, life after life, and, and a different level of contribution instead of instead of living a micro life and then and then just like a sugar cube contributing to something that's on a different time scale schedule on a much much slower level, but on a much vaster level. When a really advanced soul incarnates into specific circumstances, is it by their choice or can they be directed by other soul collectives? Again, using the, the human body as a reference, you can have an infection in your body. And the white cells throughout your body, in a sense, somehow know that they must fight this infection in your toe. And they will journey what would be in an infinite amount of space. Infinite, because we're talking micro, it's infinite. To get to this place to assist to fight this battle and for for whom whom are they fighting this battle for themselves or for for whom what is the greater cause the greater cause is the whole so they go and they will sacrifice your life in this process and interesting enough white cells you could say you never catch the same cold twice they they in a sense incarnate red cells on the other hand they, this is not their function or the purpose they have a different purpose to serve the whole in a micro life they live their existence and then that's the end of it now there are in your body things now that we've discovered that are called super white cells and they have ancient memory and ancient knowledge and when a virus comes in the body and the regular white cells can't handle it they're overwhelmed it's as if there's a certain kind of knowing that these white cells then react these super cells to to battle these viruses that they seem to have this greater knowledge on in some cases it's too late for them to react and and the body can't can't respond fast enough because they weren't able to to get into the action quick enough the, the destruction was too too vast. There is a delegation of some sort obviously going on through our inner universe, and we are made in the image of God, but not as flesh per se, but in spirit or, or in a different way, and in, in an alien-esque kind of different but similar. The universe is similar, but it's very, very alien at the same time. It's very different. So 
what I am saying to you as an answer is that there is kind of a yes to that answer. There, there is beings that intervene, okay, to help the propagation of life, the importance of it. And, and where there is your viruses in the universe or your negative beings or, or your beings who are trying to create a destructive level of life, there is an intervention of, of more advanced beings that have to, to intervene at times. If you die on one planet and reincarnate into another world or dimension, can you then, after you die, reincarnate back into the world before that one? Depends on what, what level, of course, you are and, and the circumstances of your choices and, and, and in react to them partly. And let me tell you, the endurance of the soul is, is unbelievable. It's made of the fabric of, of God. It's, it's the ultimate material, per se. A soul is, is, is basically indestructible, but it has to serve some form of purpose. Can you program something into your next incarnation? Yes, you absolutely can. Most of the time, people do it without knowing. Again, this goes back to food. It goes back to these little things. But you can deliberately uh, attempt to to set a message in your psyche in order for it to to come forward in in a, in a certain future life per se. Um, I am well aware that spiritual uh, masters, in many occasions, will use this as a device to help their awakening process in the next life if they know they're going to come back immediately. Um, I often say to people who, who talk to me about waking up in their dreams, I say, look at your hand. And when you look at your hand, study it. See the, the, the fingers and stuff, but don't move around. Don't follow your hand up and down and left and around. Just kind of look at the palm. And as you're looking at the palm, become aware of the flesh uh, around it, the, the meteor muscles. And then as you're looking at the center, become aware of the, the bluer veins inside versus the white pigment, the pink, the white and then look at, of course, the creases in your skin, what you would call your, your palm or palm reader might read. And then become aware of, of your fingers that are sticking out and the space in between and the notches and the folds in between. And then have that absorb in you and open it and close it several times. Just think of yourself as being a machine, but yet being aware, but making this thing open and close. And then go to bed. And if you, you are dreaming, in your dream, there will come a point where your hand will come up and you will look at it. And if you look at your hand in your dream, much in your dream it's the same way. You can't see you in your dream. You can just see your eyes with this thing standing in front of you. So in your dream, you're doing the same thing, but it's a whole different reality around you. And it wakes you up in your dream. Now, in a sense, you could say to yourself, look at my hand and I will awaken to who and what I am. Look at my hand, and I will awaken to who and what I am. And in your next life, there might come a moment of one day you're sitting down and you look at something, and you awaken. You you, you just have this huge memory that, that just floods your mind. And this could be done unknowingly. You you, you could could be a person who, who has a home on a, a mountainside, and you watch the, the sun rise every morning. You might think, well, what's that got to do anything? Well, Maybe there was two pine trees, one to the left, one to the right, and it would rise in the middle every day. And, and you reflected on your life, and it was that time of day that you, you did certain things. Well, if coincidentally you go out to a forest and you're sitting down and you just happen to, to watch a sunrise with the two trees, you know, one on the left and one on the right, it may just profoundly awake you. 
or if you use the material with, with what we're talking about consistently enough, uh, it's going to jolt certain things in your memory, and you're going to go out in life, and you may just have a serious flash of, of information service. Uh, it happens all the time. So, so the answer is yes, but most people, like I say with everything that I teach, most people lack consistency. You could do it for you for your next life, but the question is, will you be consistent in doing it this week, this month, this year, the next five years? Very unlikely. And it's the same thing that you would have experienced in any other life. It's very unlikely unless you're highly disciplined. So the best way to figure these things out is to simply go the other routes that we've been talking about. Can you tap into someone else's past lives? Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's it's like telepathy, which we'll cover in, in another CD, and, and hopefully you'll you'll uh, bring it up that question so I can can go into it in more detail. But, um, you know, sometimes it's easier to pick up on somebody else's past lives than it is for you to remember your past lives. And at first, it sounds a little quirky, but the the reasoning is 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 that one, if you you are already psychically developed and you can sense things and feel things, so you simply apply the question of trying to feel who these people were in the past life. It's as if there's a, a better flow in the brain to accept information somehow from the back of that person's mind or their their frequency. Somehow, it's more accessible. One, because your brain ain't filtering it, and two. The, the laws of perception say this. Everything that you experience is from an external place brought internal. Your hearing is from the outside world. Your sight is from the outside world. Your smell is from the outside world. So when you look at someone and you impose your, your telepathic abilities, it's almost as if that information has a, a better way of coming in rather than trying to internalize it to come forward. And as the best example that I that I can say, it's not that you just look at everybody and it just runs through you. You you kind of have to go into a deeper state, and you make this kind of mind meld if you want to, in a, in a Vulcan sense or in a spiritual way. You you link, and your intent is to know what this person was in past life. And, and so, just like you would predict their future, you know, like we we teach in other courses, so do you have the ability to also pick up on on information. And it's not going to be lengthy information. It's going to be bits and pieces, and just like anything else. How does a human reincarnate on a totally alien planet? Again, it's a it's a choice, much the same way. At, at a certain point, you evolve spiritually to to move on you 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 won't i you will not find um a, a new alien being who's lived one life on on their world okay all of a sudden move across the solar system the galaxy or the universe and incarnate their second life to be human okay there is a, a procession of, 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 of what you have to contribute to your own planet that, that, of this reflectiveness and this evolutionary process per se of consciousness, okay? Before you even have the ability to migrate, you know, dimensionally through distance. You're, you're, again, that magnetism that holds you into place also holds you into staying with her. The planets are designed to, to hold you there. If it were to release you so easily, it would not have a mechanism for its own consciousness to grow. The very contributing neurosystem, which is life, if it was leaving it, would be depleting it of the reason for creating it. Do you see what I'm saying? I mean, a planet 
wants to give life. The planet wants to do this because it's a neural system being built. All the, the mechanisms of life on that planet are really either dying and giving its collective energy to the consciousness of that planet. So in retrospect, it's a form of inner procreation in a sense, but different. It's the same reason why your cells adapt and grow and get bigger and better and faster from a baby on. It's doing the same thing. So it's designed not to let you really escape. You you really have to evolve, and only the few that really truly evolve are able then to move on and, and move on to different places. So you're saying that for most people who've had just a few lives, it's rare that they've had lives in alien worlds or dimensions? If you really think about what most people talk about reincarnation, it's very rare that you really come across somebody who claims to be only aliens in their past life. So it is more likely that if someone had an alien memory, then it's probably them tapping into some sort of galactic grid, so to speak. Well, they could be tapping into the Gaia. You know, the Gaia mind isn't exclusive to the knowledge of, of the Earth. The Gaia mind is very connected to the rest of the galactic mind. It's, it's just a, a different hierarchy. So, so its neighbor is another solar system or another galaxy, and, and there could be an exchange of information going on constantly. You know, and we can tap into that. And that creates a whole daisy chain throughout the entire galaxy, if you think about it, or the universe, I mean. So the, the, the possibilities are infinite. And then, of course, in, in maybe very alien lives, it's because it's, it's maybe they have evolved intensely in another world. And this is their first life here. And they're, they're like, well, this is my first life, but I get all these other alien lives. So, so in some senses, they're very limited in a double way. And I'll explain. They're, they're alien... They don't have really any lives physically, okay? And where you would think that, well, they must be spiritually super evolved. They probably are. The problem is it's completely alien now in a, in a world that is just completely strange. And so they're almost as limited as a first person would be being incarnated. Do you see what I'm saying? I mean, they, they, they don't understand the textures, the colors, the structures, the technology, the communication, the verbiage. It's all extremely alien-esque for them. So it's almost a whole other thing, but they they usually will mature much faster because they, there's a, an enriched background behind them. And in fact, I, I would say that that's more of my own path that I've taken than, than to, you know, to just to bring that up. What would happen if the population suddenly shrank? due to a catastrophic event or... Well, what what happens when, when people use drugs? What happens when you get brain damage? What happens when something traumatic happens, you know, or, 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 or chemical in water gets into your, your, your body system to your brain? I mean, brain damage. Uh, your brain will make an attempt to heal itself and rebuild. During that process, you are limited or less capable to take a stroke, for instance. Someone who suffers a stroke, usually it will kill certain portions of their brain, and then they have to practice, hopefully, to regain their motor gears that they lost and various things that control these things, okay? Now, they can get back up to 100% functioning, or they don't, okay? In this particular case, war and, and stuff like this, or or plagues, or, you know, where the, where the planet's almost been wiped out on several occasions from what we can tell from archaeology, and then there's, there's a comeback. Well, you know, the planet's still very young in terms of age, okay, as far as planets go. So if you, if you look at a young human as an analogy, you could say that a baby shows remarkable bounce back abilities for brain damage. Remarkable. Where an older adult doesn't. Okay. So the answer is, is it has a downtime and it rebuilds from there. 
But more importantly, there there is a large amount of data that's released during those time periods, and usually this contributes to refining and learning from one's mistakes in, in a very unusual way. What happens to a soul when there are no bodies to reincarnate into? Well, most of the souls, the majority of them, I would say almost as much as 85%, are really just going to be a very large contribution going into the to the Gaia mind. And there's a few that escape certainly can find can find you know uh, bodies throughout the world because there will always be a larger portion of, of not really developing a soul. Just for the record, somebody will will probably challenge me on that 85. It's it's give or take. We're just we're just using some roughage of, of numbers to to give people concepts. Would there ever be a case of massive soul migration? Yes, it it has happened. It has happened on many occasions. Sure. What would the circumstances be in order for this to take place? A world dying, a sun going supernova before the, the populace of the, of the planet can actually leave through mechanical means or scientific means. Um, they would then either disperse and that energy would either then proliferate the other surrounding solar system, like it would be a sugar cube for the planet, it would just be a larger for that solar system per se of information. The souls from there then would really divvy up in millions of directions and really would become like grains of sands for souls in other worlds. It wouldn't be like a, a huge flood of, of, of those souls for one planet. It doesn't, it doesn't work that way. You know, it would be, the, the universe is so vast at this point, it, it just would be thinned out so that you could say that only a two or three would maybe end up in, even on our world, you know, and incarnate into it. And you have to keep in mind also that some planets, the potential for them evolving souls is, is a much more difficult challenge than it would be for, for other worlds. Um, it, again, it's the opportunities that are there versus what the vessel can offer, where, again, man has created all these things because he has fingers and toes and hands. So a planet that would have a large population of intelligence may not have as many intelligent souls developing on it as, as other planets may have an abundant amount. So there's, there's many factors to really consider in, and the most challenging point is, is is realizing those factors because we do look at everything from a very human perspective of how we see ourselves and we assume that the rest of the universe works that way and that's that's a, a big mistake and even our conversations are really built a lot around that because it's the, the easiest way to really teach you guys how do you tell the difference between a true past life memory psychic impression or genetic recall because science recently um, or relatively in the last probably 20 to 30 years, has to acknowledge that there's something going on with the whole reincarnation thing in their perspective. Now, they don't want to believe that it's from a soul dying and moving on to another life. So what they've looked at or considered is the possibility that this is a genetic memory. For instance, it is possible, they believe now, that the memories that you may be having are legitimate but what they are are not from a past life, but it's from whatever your mother or your father or, or their family members had kind of burnt onto their sensory, their their vision or their sense of smell, whatever. Somehow that information was recorded and imposed um, genetically on, on your DNA, let's say. 
like micro information. I mean, if you think about it now, how much information we can put on a computer disk, I mean, just think of the possibilities with the brain is, is a thousand times more beyond that. It's to say that information is recorded. Now, you would not, this is the catch-22, you should not would not, according to this theory then, have memories of something that your mother would have had after you were born. Okay, because there's no way to transfer that data. So in my opinion, there is, uh, you know, cases of this. So it doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Um, so in either case, there there are different methods of saying how memory of past lives have, have really come into the big picture. And that's one of them that we wanted to bring up. In the beginning, it's very difficult because the brain just sees everything as, as imagery. Um, let me ask, let me propose a question to you. You have a, a memory of going to Hawaii. And you have a memory of watching Hawaii on television, something about it. How do you know which is real in your memory? Feels different. I know this may not be the answer anybody wants to hear because it, it certainly leaves a, a big spaciousness but of, of room for error. But in the beginning, that you got to accept that, that, that you're going to have to take time to discern these. And for me to give you some generic canvas answer, I, I just won't do it, okay? You can have memory within your own mind that basically you can recall whether it, it was or wasn't. You feel it. You know it. This gets back to that knowing that I keep talking about. And it's very clear and very defined. It's it's undoubtable. Okay? You would argue to someone, no, no, that didn't happen when you watched it on TV. How do you know? Because I remember. Well, how come you remember? I just know. It's the same thing. When you when you start to have memories of past life, you're going to know this is this is a memory. This is a memory. This is this is not something that I'm imagining. And if you if you don't feel that way, then very likely it is an imagination. If you don't feel for sure that it, that it's not, so you know, so most people could say then, well, then I could concoct almost anything and buy into it. No, you would know the difference. You're just lying to everybody else. Does reincarnation occur within the order of time? I would say that it's in accordance with time because what's happening is the universe is expanding. Everything is making a progression forward. The forwardness is based upon the wave of knowledge previously that's building it forward to become back to energy. It started off with energy solidified into to lower frequencies of energy, which created matter. Matter then produced different organic levels of life to, to microscopically, in a sense, study or integrate with with this reality through organic and energy organic then should collect enough information to become energy energy progressively returns back to the to the source of where the experience was was designated to begin it's the return of that process so no um you would not be able to incarnate into past lives in the future you can't incarnate into the future you can't incarnate in the past you can review the past through the Gaia mind or the collective consciousness of the universe. It's, it's recorded memory, per se, just like you can review your own memory. And under hypnosis, what little you can remember now usually gets a lot sharper and a lot better because it's recorded there. And anything that goes into the future is really speculative future. It's not written future because it's the Gaia mind can predict very vastly far into the future the same way that if I picked up an object and motioned to get ready to throw it to you, you'd be calculating already to capture it because you're, you're already sensing and calculating what it is that I'm doing. 
So you take a super consciousness such as the universe or a supercomputer, what I often say with the rubber ball bouncing on the ground. If you're in a room that's an X by X size and, and et cetera, et cetera, and you take a super ball and you slam it on the ground and I say to you, put your finger in the spot that it's going to stop on, you say, I can't do that. And I would say, do you think it's possible to know that? And you may say yes or no. And I would say, well, yes, it is possible. And you would say how? And I would say with a supercomputer, you measure the room, you measure the density of the air, you measure the ball, you measure the density of the ball, you measure the, the direction it's thrown in. You put in a, a percentage of information, and that computer is able to calculate those variables right down to, to, right down to the last dot, if it's a supercomputer, let's say. So is the future predictable? Yes, it's it's just a matter of perception to what degree it is. If we look at it as human beings, we are limited in, in how far we can push those calculations. But we do it all the time. We judge people by it. We judge actions by it. We we judge our, our day before we do it based upon what calculations we're going to expect to have happen or how a person will react to, to certain circumstances. And, and the better we know them or the better the information we have about them, the better and more accurately we can predict. Well, the future also is predictive to God, to, to the ultimate level, the universe. And so to us, it looks very pre-written if we were able to tap this, this greater consciousness for that information. What is your take on the popular New Age ideology that time and the future have not already taken place? A lot of people say that all things that are going to happen have already happened, and it's all just happening in one moment. And that time doesn't really exist. It's an illusion. I wouldn't look at it so cerebral. We are in the now. We are making judgment calls. We are we are co-creators with God. I love that terminology. That's something that's now been used from various authors and poets and stuff. We are the cutting edge of God's greatest exploration. Okay? So, so the now is very real. Okay? We are, are like a wave. We are the crest. There's what's behind us and there's what's ahead of us. We can only surmise or judge a certain distance, and God can certainly judge a, a distance far ahead of that. But still, the now is, is critical because anything can change at any given moment at a split second, depending on the consensus of what's going on. On that same token, can you die and reincarnate into the same time period? Can I die and reincarnate into the child of my pregnant friend tomorrow? If she gives birth, sure. If you're, if you're advanced enough and you've been around, yeah. So can it be that specific? Absolutely. I chose my, my birth. How about a group of people? Can they collectively incarnate? Usually group specifics are... Um, I always see it as a school of fish kind of jumping out of the water and, and, and into a bucket. Um, you know, it's more likely one is going to jump into the, the bucket than a, than a whole school, okay? I mean, you, you realistically have to, to kind of weigh this all out to a certain degree. It's, it's more to say that um, a bunch of fish can jump out into a bunch of different pans, and some can jump in a little sooner, jump can some in a little, but as long as they're within a, a reasonable time space, they can all find themselves then once they're they're in reality on this grid and and like homing pigeons, you know, tie their lives together somehow. People talk about sometimes spanning several lives with the same people around them or having soulmates. 
I often am interested in stories when I, I hear about some criminal does some kind of crime or something and then he disappears. And then uh, 10 years later, some guy is in Rome or something and he's on top of, you know, some statue or something at the tourist spot and he looks over and there's this guy that he knew that, that you know, from, from a decade or two ago who is a crime and he gets on the radio and he's like, hey, you know, I just ran into, you won't believe, blah, 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 blah. And they come and they pick him up and sure enough, there's only so many equations. That's one life. Now, you imagine people who've lived several lives. The world is not as big as it seems. And then there's this whole natural attractor of which you are drawn to other similar souls. There's an inner sensory inside of you. And it, it's going to draw you to other people that you may have known in past lives because you're, you're familiar with their frequency still. And unknowingly, you, you move toward that, or they move to you, or you both happen to end up in the same city, even though you came from two different directions. I, it's completely feasible. You've said that when a woman is about to give birth, there is a special moment where the soul is allowed to come in. Yeah, it's not really a moment. There's, there's a fear of length and time. When the baby comes out, the energy field is, is at a particular minimal. I often say you can gauge it by the gap of the, the head having the, the opening. By the time it begins to close, it's almost also, ironically, the same time the energy field starts to strengthen, that you cannot move into that frequency. It, like, prevents you. Some may be different, depends. Uh, you know, I, I, would, I would not say how, how much time you have, but I would say that it could be a 48- or 78-hour period or up to two, two, even four weeks in some cases. It really depends. A lot of people ask us, where is the best place to start with our courses and material? The fundamental backbone of everything in our catalog is the Foundation Meditation System. This is a unique meditation technique geared to the purpose of absorbing prana, stimulating key regions of the body that enhance sensory development, and allow one to tap into a source of unbridled spiritual energy. Foundation Meditation can be learned in our book, Meditation Within Eternity, or you can visit our website, foundationmeditation.com, to acquire the audio course. Again, that's foundationmeditation.com. Each of Eric's books comes with a secure readers-only section online that contains a treasure trove of complimentary free training material. When you add up all the free training you get with each book, you have a combined total value of over $1,000 in additional content. This includes classes, guided meditation exercises, and more. Digital and physical copies are available at higherbalancebooks.com. Order the set on discount now, and we'll also send you a free guru deck in the mail for physical orders. Again, that's higherbalancebooks.com. Go there now, order your set, and join the growing movement of spiritual adepts. Follow us on Instagram at Higher Balance Institute, all one word. If you like this podcast, please subscribe on iTunes and leave a positive review to help others like yourself find this knowledge. If you would like to support this podcast, please visit our online store at higherbalance.com. Meditation. It's more than just relaxation. There are different kinds of meditation, just like there are different tools to do a job. Finding the right kind of meditation will decide whether you awaken 
or whether you just simply drift. Energy. More than just a thought, but of movement that you can literally feel through your body. Visions. More than a faded idea within your consciousness, but rather a vivid reality so clear it'll make you question reality itself. Meditation, if used properly, will show you how to move the currents of your mind into a better life, a more prosperous life, consciousness expanding, memory improvement, inner balance, higher balance. Most of all, discover who and what you are and what you can do. Join us at Higher Balance Institute. We'll help change your world. Thank you for listening to Rebel Guru Radio. 